use slang if that's what you use. Always make sure words are spelled correctly. Uh, you know, the punctuation is there. The grammar is, you know, is correct when you're writing something. But if you use slang words or if you use kind of regular uncommon language, do that. That's how you talk to somebody. Uh, then that's what your copy should be like. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphon. What is up, you lovely listeners? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Our guest today is a Chicago-based content creator, brand strategist, and website and sales copywriter. Today, we're going to learn about his process in creating compelling messages that get people to take action. He spent over a decade in marketing and eventually landed clients like Unilever, Joybird, Dummy Italian Ice, and more. I'm incredibly excited to speak with him today. But before I talk too much, let's give Terry Schilling an opportunity to overshare. How are you doing, Terry? Hey, Kale. What's up, man? It's good, man. I'm so happy to be on the podcast, which I'm still amazed that you locked down this name. But yeah, <laughs> it's, good. it's great. It's, it's so... It's so clear. It's on point. It's what good copy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I'm pretty sure there's probably another oversharing podcast out there, but mine's better by far. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been following you along with you for, you know, a little over a year now, even probably more than that. You know, we got connected through LinkedIn and uh, Twitter and, mm-hmm. uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. I want to talk with you. Yeah. And Instagram too. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. And eventually we will end up working together. But before we get into like all of the business stuff, I actually want to learn uh, about you and really how you got your start. So let's start from the beginning. What were you like in high school? I was friends I grew up with in junior high, kind of got separated through cliques, which I guess naturally happens, um, and then found kind of a new group of friends in high school. And you know, then it kind of sparked some creativity and just got more, you know, out of that shyness of, you know, that shyness mindset, I guess you could say. Um, but really in high school, I was really all about sports, to be completely honest. And I kind of still am today. And that kind of sparked me to go into broadcast journalism in college. Um, I went to Ball State University in Indiana, so right next door. And really, I've only been in Chicago and Indiana living-wise. Those have been my residences you know, for my entire life. Um, but then at school, like I said, studied journalism, covered some of the local sports, did an internship at an Indianapolis news station, really just loved the idea of storytelling. And then I graduated at end of uh, 2008. So right around that popular crisis where it was a terrible job market. Mm -hmm. Being in journalism, it was really tough because all the intro jobs were literally $25,000 or less. Some of them even $20,000 a year or less. It startled me a little bit for sure. Not a little bit, a lot. And I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. So I stayed at home in Chicago, did some freelance video producing and reporting. And then I got into marketing at a local racetrack here. Mm. Um, it's owned by Churchill Downs. It's just outside of Chicago. So did some event marketing there and then simultaneously ended up waiting tables and bartending. And that really changed everything. Cause then I met a founder of this agency out in the suburbs of Chicago who then offered me a job as a copywriter because he knew my journalism background. And we right. got to talking over a lot of Guinness pouring for him, a lot of drinks and just other friends around. And then that kind of led in my journey as copywriting. Did the agency thing for a while, did projects with Home Depot and Best Buy and Ford and Volkswagen. So got wow. a nice portfolio, which was great. A lot of experience. And then I just kind of got the bug to do my own thing. Really just wanted to 
be more creative and have control over the type of work that I have. And so almost two years ago in April of 2018, I you know, took that leap and became an entrepreneur, freelancer, solo, solopreneur, all the buzzwords of being your <laughs> Yeah. And here we are. That's interesting. So you're from Chicago. Are you a Bulls fan? Huge Bulls fan. And so, I'm not a happy Bulls fan at the moment. No. It's funny. I don't know if you can see this. And this is fun because this is one of the first times that I've actually used video. But this is my vision board right here. And if you notice, yeah. the 97 Bulls are right here because yeah. they were like an unbeatable team, obviously. That was kind of like my thing is I wanted to build this unbeatable team with, with blue light. But the Bulls were actually... That was the last time I watched basketball. So you can imagine it's been well, how long? 15 years? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm ever going to rep a basketball team, like I have all my Bulls hats, all my Bulls jerseys, like all that stuff. So that's, I love it. Yeah. that's about as far as I go with like sports commentary. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So we might not go riffing about sports for the... No, I wish. Unless it's boxing, then we have something to talk about. Yeah. Oh, right. I have too much to say on that. Yeah. I mean, huge Bulls fan. I mean, that's that was my team growing up because Jordan was right there, front Mm -hmm. and center, and then obviously being in the '90s, and so you had to. So that's why it's so like kind of depressing now, is because like we've been, we kind of had these so many ups and downs and so many downs of late after Derrick Rose. So yeah. 2018 is when you start. Is that when you started freelancing and doing your own thing? Yeah. I went fully on my own. I was side hustling, taking on some freelance projects because I did have some flexibility at my agency. So it kind of made the transition easier having some clients already and some contacts and relationships built. Were you able to, or are you open to talking about like kind of how you prep with that financially, things like this? Like we don't have to get into exact numbers, but maybe, you know, what were some of the things that you, that you did so that when you did take the jump, you weren't scrambling for money? Or maybe you were. (laughs) Man, I feel like yes and yes. I mean, I I felt somewhat in control, but when you first start, there is kind of this, that hustle mode where you just want to get clients. So I may have said yes to too many things and kind of overextended myself a little bit. Um, But for me, what made the, what made the transition, you know, easier was really just having that client base and already kind of establishing what I like to do, the type of clients I wanted to work with and price pointing that too. So I kind of had an idea of what I needed to charge in order to make that transition so I can continue my lifestyle. And so I was able to attract those clients and felt that it was you know, the right time, made a little bit of a nest so I could handle it and then just continue to learn really just what to charge, you know, fixed rates, the type of projects I like to do, like helping write whole new websites or doing brand storytelling, discovery with clients as well. Um, it was kind of nice that I was married at the time and she has a full-time job where she is mm. has health insurance. So that's a popular question. Like, what do you do as a freelancer for health insurance? So I'm Get married? Her. Yeah, get married is, the, is my tip. <laughs> Find a woman with a good ass job and get married to her with good benefits. That's it. Then you can do freelance. That's what I'm doing. My fiance actually, she makes a good amount of money. She's a hairstylist and everything. I think she's getting the health insurance from us. But just in case things go sour, we're just, you know, we're going to depend on what yeah. she does. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just try not to get hurt. When you were going, uh, when you were going full time, did you give yourself like a three month financial runway or six month? And did you plan a? Did you plan on like? okay, if I don't get X amount of clients or I don't start generating X amount of revenue within this time frame, like I have to get a job again. Was that, were those any thoughts that you had going into it? 
Yeah, absolutely. All those thoughts kind of go through your head. It's really stressful, exciting, all the emotions at once when you're doing this. Um, just because at the end of the day, you do need money. <laughs> like you do need clients. Um, but ultimately, work that makes you happy was my biggest thing. But to go back, my target was three months and I had that roughly. That six months would have been great, but I didn't. I was just at a point where I knew that I was going to keep making excuses if I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I was going to continue at that job and still, and still then talk to my wife and talk to friends like, hey, I'm thinking about going freelance. And who knows, man, I could still be at that agency now if I really didn't take that leap. Um, so I did and kind of jumped into it and then really just planned it out kind of somewhat on the fly. Like I did have that money. I knew I could last and you know, really just grind out there to find some new clients. And so I would say the first like six months were intense of just doing the Upwork thing. Um, I still mm-hmm. do that today. It's kind of a freelance job site. I still have a lot of success with that. But then, you know, being in Chicago and at these different agencies, was able to build a couple relationships with some agencies where they contracted work for me. Mm. So that was good. So what about the conversation with your boss at the time at the agency? What was that like? And was, was he worried that you were going to, like, frankly, poach clients that you had worked with? Like, what were some, yeah. of, those, what were some of those things that were going on? Because I feel like a lot of people might be worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And so for me, I had an honest conversation with him about where I was at and kind of how I was really wanting to you know, dip my feet in that entrepreneur pool and just kind of take on some more work, potentially bring on some clients for that agency to help kind of do design work as well. So maybe we can go hand in hand. I had a talk with him, kind of wanted to peel back my role a little, maybe work from home a little more. And then it ultimately was just mutual agreement for me to leave. And there was an understanding that I wouldn't take any of his clients in any context he had. You know, he was just, you know, he's a good friend of mine, did me a huge favor at the time when I started. And it, it, again, just kind of sparked this career. Because I I did not think I'd be in advertising and marketing. And some of my friends still, they see all these content that I produce. And they're just like, so what exactly is a copywriter? It's like, okay, so you're not really watching everything I post because I try to explain it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah, still there. So... Overall, it was a mutual agreement for, for us to leave, which I know may not always be the case for freelancers and everybody out there. Yeah, for sure. What about building your personal brand to get this? Like, I know that you put out a ton of content. I've watched a couple of your videos. I've gone through your website a couple of times because at one point, I, I, you know, I wanted to work with you and I do when the time is right. Were you building a personal brand while you were at work already or while you were still working at the agency or did that all happen after you quit? It really happened after I quit. I, when I was at the agency, it was a lot of like motivational stuff. Like I was watching like the Gary V's of the world and the Marie Forleo's, kind of you know that ins- inspirational content. And I was really digesting it. And um, so I was doing some of those posts and trying to get a little bit more creative than you know just posting the regular stuff of my dog or what I'm eating on Instagram. Right. But really, I knew that there was a way to grow your brand and potentially monetize through the different channels, you know, like example, I was reading the book, Crushing It from Gary Vee. There's another one, Entrepreneurial You, which is fantastic about how to monetize through different channels and creating content. And that just really inspired me and focused a lot of projects I worked on were website copy. And I just find that a lot of business owners, they are either rebranding or starting a company and they have all this information that they want to say, these ideas, but they don't know how to craft it in an engaging way. So I thought that was an avenue where I could help them and try to create content around that 
And then as a freelancer, as the more success I got, give some freelancing tips of how any beginners or even you know, people who've been at it for years but still struggling, how they can you know, grow their career as well. And that kind of just helped me grow my brand. That's interesting. So I, I definitely want to get into that part too, because I noticed that some of the content that you do put out isn't necessarily targeted to potential clients, but yeah. other freelancers as well. Is that something that you plan on doing in the future or are doing now is coaching clients and, teach and showing them potentially you know, how to start their pricing model, how to like take the jump to a freelancer as a copywriter? Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up because I actually just posted an article and not trying, we did not plan this for me to you know, promote this right now, but I did write something about what went right and wrong for my business last year. And one of the things that went wrong was coaching. I promoted it on my website where I really had a link for it, but it was like website copy. So it was kind of like a website audit conversation for me to go through their website and give them some copywriting advice. But I feel like I want to go back to doing some freelance copywriting coaching or maybe freelance coaching as well. So to answer your question, yes, it is something I want to do is how to help charge clients, how to find the right projects for them, how to brand themselves. That's definitely something I'm looking forward to doing this year and moving forward and even create some digital products to sell to. Yeah, that's pretty tight. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's got to diversify that. And I think, I personally think you have a great personality. You're a good dude. We've had a couple times to, we've interacted a couple times and I appreciate yeah. it, seriously. What is up, you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half, and I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention, having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very, very long time. If you have a podcast or you're looking to start your own, be sure to go to mikeme.com forward slash oversharing. Again, that's mikeme.com, M-I-C-M-E.com forward slash oversharing. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. I want to talk a little bit about your process now too. Like obviously you're an expert copywriter, the people that you've worked with are, those are the biggest brands in the world, right? I think a really interesting spot, and I'm even kind of asking for myself, is when you are taking on an established brand like Ford or Ikea or any of these other people that you would have worked with, was Ford and Ikea on that list? Ford was, uh, Joybird Furniture was one. I Joy, Joybird, right. Yeah. I, I don't know where Ikea came from. Maybe it's this desk that I'm sitting at. Okay. <laughs> but... Um, when you take on this established brand, what does this discovery process look like for you when you're you know, creating projects? Because I feel as I've worked with some corporate clients and yeah. it's like they are kind of already have like a style or they already have kind of a positioning. So it kind of limits the creativity when we're de dealing with these big corporations. What do you do and how have you dealt with that? Great question again. And I think it's important to get all the discovery that they have if there's anything internally that they can share with me. Um, but with every client, I like to do a copy launch or brand discovery questionnaire where I ask specific questions to them in a project. So for example, Joybird was product descriptions. So a questionnaire would be really kind of more aspirational, emotional language of what people will feel like when they're using the furniture. It's kind of like the method of, you know, sell the fresh cup of coffee, not the coffee pot. So for furniture, it's like sell the, sell the feeling of sitting on that comfortable couch instead of the dimensions of it. So we're really trying to ask questions for that specific to it. But then ultimately, you have such a huge resources with, resource with the internet 
go on there and read reviews, see what mm. competitors are doing, go to their Instagram, go to their Yelp, go to Amazon reviews, um, especially read the bad ones. You can take language that real customers are using and incorporate that into your copy because it's mm. going to be much more relatable that way. Um, whether that's a big brand or even with, whether that's a small brand, um, you know, small business as well. That's awesome. I think that's really important. The, the idea of going through customer reviews and seeing what they're saying, like that's so huge and such a big nugget. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. What about those clients that are maybe like, you know, still developing and working through uh, that type of positioning? I, I saw that you worked with an Italian ice company. I don't know if that was like a startup company or anything like that, but... Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I'm, I'm assuming that that was a little bit more in depth. What were some of the questions and strategies you used there to start positioning what their copy should look like or read yeah, rather? So they were, yeah, they were like a mobile uh, Italian ice company um, out on the East Coast. And so the, in Florida, I believe. And so that was just, it was really interesting. They wanted to do something a little bit different. Again, not just necessarily sell the Italian ice. They wanted a big thing was giving back to the community. That was really what was unique to them. So like you buy a cup and like a lot of the money went back to the like different organizations throughout the neighborhood that they mostly did business in. Um, try not to be too generic. Like who are your ideal customers? Uh, you know, not try to get these one word, three word answers. Um, but ultimately ask them, what do you want to be known for? Because like legacy is a huge thing for all of us and especially for businesses. Like how do you help people? How do you help change their lives? So having, asking them, what do you ultimately want to be known for puts them kind of in a conversation between customers. Like, like what would you say to somebody, you know, if somebody asked you, oh, what does so-and-so do? Like, what are they known for? Like, how would you explain that? Like, I want the client to tell me what that conversation is like. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that makes sense and all that somewhat ramble right there. No, but that just really helps get a deeper idea of what their ultimate goal is. Sure. Um, have you read the book? Uh, what is it? Creating a story brand? Yes. Well, yes. sorry, just lie a little bit. I just, I'm very familiar with it. I've read snippets of it. Um, but like make the customer the hero is a, obviously the big overlying concept from that. It's sure. So, it's so, it's so powerful though. Yeah, it's super popular. And I think that I think that they did a pretty good job within the office here. Like we read that collectively as a team to, um, you know, just to get like that sort of insight on how we're creating stories for our brands. But one of the big things there is it points out to make the customer the hero of their story, right? Right. Um, Is that something that you believe in as well? Absolutely. I often talk about going on doing website copy, like if I'm rebranding or like revising it, it's does your website pass the the we test? And so if you're already if you're just talking about yourself, like we do this, I do this, you need to change the sentences to be about the customer and use the word you. It's one of the most powerful words you can use in copywriting. And it kind of follows that concept of make the customer the hero. What's in it for them? You know, sell that, sell the concept, not the actual product or service. Hmm. So what about what about style? Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, do you have like a specific style that you write write for? Like I know that you have like brand and like sales type of copy, but yeah. I feel like there's so many different ways that you can translate the same thing, but maybe speaking in a different vernacular type of thing. Um so for example, on my Instagram, I'll post the same thing but tweak a couple words and like I'll put in the word savage. And for whatever reason to the people that I talk to, if I put in savage, it explodes. But I can say the yeah. exact same thing and just but with a different like word in place of savage and it doesn't work well. So 
are these like yeah. are these types of some things that you like take into consideration and how do you start developing a unique style for each one of the brands that you work with yeah dude i love that it's like some language you have the polo and khakis on and the other one you're just rocking the t-shirt and jeans <laughs> right it just dude it depends on who your audience is if that's the people you want to relate to and if that's who you are then you need to write like that like write like you talk it's such a popular phrase but it can be you know, so effective as well. So what I do with brands is I try to really get their personality and voice. I always try to do a phone call to get an idea of what their personality is like, you know, talking human to human. But I also like doing kind of like this inner circle of words, like common phrases that you use. So like you said, you may use savage a lot in regular conversation. So what's that regular conversation inner circle like? You know, Mm. what type of phrases do you use? And try to use that, you know, use slang if that's what you use. Always make sure words are spelled correctly. Uh, you know, the punctuation is there. The grammar is, you know, is correct when you're writing something. But if you use slang words or if you use kind of regular uncommon language, do that. That's how you talk to somebody. Uh, then that's what your copy should be like. Even if you're business to business. But dude, sales conversations, you may crack a joke. You're trying to build this rapport with somebody. So, you know, maybe you say damn or maybe you say a slang word here or there to build that rapport, then use that in your copy. You don't have to be so technical and so cookie cutter and robotic with it. Hmm. You touched on this a little bit when you were talking about like revising some of the we's to you and how you is one of the most powerful words that you can use. But what are some other traits of like really good and really bad copy? Man, some good copy versus bad copy. One of the biggest things is the headline for sure. So let's say social media caption. You know, this is really like long form content for a lot of people now. Like Instagram posts and captions are getting longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Facebook and LinkedIn is really booming right now with people creating content, uh, whether it's videos or images. The captions need to be on point too, but that first headline is huge. And I think Sparks Good Cop is what's the big idea in that first line? Like, what question are you answering for me? So as a writer, as a business owner, if you're thinking of who your audience is, what are some of their biggest pain points? What's one of the biggest questions that they may ask you if they're trying to buy from you? So answer that right away. Don't, don't shy away from it. Go into it right away. You know, I think that's really impactful for what I see with good copy is they don't really... They don't tease it so much. They come at it right away. That's yeah. why I like BuzzFeed is such like clickbait worthy. And you click all those things because they have this phenomenal headline, this crazy idea in there. I'm like, well, I'm going to click that. And I think um, a lot more businesses are kind of using that model too. Yeah. I mean, it pains me personally. Uh, and I don't know if this is effective or not, but I know that uh, it's worked so many times where it's just like, here are the seven keys to influencer marketing success that'll grow your business today. And I'm just right. like, I hate writing that, but it seems to work. <laughs> Yeah, man, it really does. And like, you can kind of switch it around and find some different words. Like, we perfected how to make, you know, XYZ amount of money by doing this simple change. Something mm-hmm. like that can feel so effective because that could be the big problem that you're solving for your clients. What about some really bad copy? I personally have seen, in my opinion, what some really bad copy is, and it's typically super long. Yeah. To you, what, you know, what are some common things that you see that like, hurt your soul when you start reading it? One of the biggest things is people are trying to be too cute or clever. You know, one popular phrase is, if you confuse me, you lose me. And so mm-hmm. you can see all these big brands are trying to do something. They have this big imagery, but then their phrase has nothing to do with the product or really what they're trying to sell. 
I don't have like maybe the best example off the top of my head, but I feel like a lot of the listeners and probably you, Mikhail, can understand that. It's just like, wait, why are they saying this? So they're making up words. Like they're using like gifting as like a verb, especially around the Christmas time. And uh, I just be clever, be clear to the point, have some personality, of course, but you don't have to be so clever or don't try to be too technical to, you know, all these big words, maybe nothing if you can say the same thing in four words. Yeah, absolutely. For you, obviously, I want from this podcast, I would love if somebody reached out to you and just hired you for your expertise. I read through all your stuff. I think your pricing makes sense, like all of these things. Um, yeah, so, I love that too, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand how sometimes it's a little tough to like give away some secrets, but would you be open to sharing like three to five like hacks to start creating great copy for the listener? Yeah, absolutely. So here's some free advice for everybody. Turn it up, you know, take a, take a seat, take, get your notepad out. One big thing is like a lot of times it's always tough to start. Of like, how am I going to approach this this copy and speak to my audience right here? If you're trying to know like what type of copy you should write, one proven formula it's really popular is knowing you know how aware your target audience is. So what I mean by that is find out if they are problem aware. So problem aware means that they know they have an everyday problem that they need solved but they don't know if there is a solution to it. And so what you can do then is strike curiosity. Tell them a secret about, you know, about the product. You know, strike that curiosity in the first line. It could be something like, you know, do you know why it's so hard to find a dress shirt that fits like a glove? Here's the reason why. Something like that. Make it seem like a secret, um, something exclusive there. If they are product aware, so we talked about problem aware, now product aware, Meaning they know what you sell. So somebody may know that you're an agency or let's say you create, you know, let's say you create hats. Like they know, they know you have a hat. They know that like I have a problem of finding a stylish hat. So if they are product aware, they know what you sell, but they're not sure if you're the right fit for them. They're not, they're not sure if they can trust you. So for that, you want to promise them something. So it could be like a money back guarantee, a free trial. You see a lot of companies do this with sales pages. SaaS softwares do this for like a free month, free three month trial or your money back. Um, so that's a good one if people are product aware. Um, if they are solution aware, meaning they know the result they want, but again, they're still not sure if you can provide that for them. So they're going to continue reading, maybe doing some research. But if you have that solution, just use the simple formula of establish the problem and then offer the solution right there. And so those are three, three hacks of where the customer is in their buying journey. So if you're just trying to start as something new and you're not sure who your audience is, tell a story, tell something compelling and try to engage with them on an emotional level, like how you started your journey, because that may resonate with them as well. Okay. So I feel like that's like three hacks, you know, right there. I talked about the we test, go through your website and find out all the we's on there and see how you can flip it around to make it out the customer, um, you know, make them the hero. And then also whether you are posting social media content or writing copy for your own website, you're a copywriter yourself, read your copy out loud. If your goal is to try to get engagement and sell something, you know, you're really putting some time into the message that you're writing. Read it out loud. Make sure that it flows and it sounds like you and it makes sense. Maybe you added in some words you didn't mean to, but reading it loud is super effective whenever you're writing copy. Yeah, that last one for me actually is the biggest one, especially as I'm writing some of these intros too. It's like, does that even sound like a, a sentence I would yeah. say out loud? 
Okay, yeah. so I have one for you. Um, yeah. So you mentioned how, you know, establishing trust if they're solution aware, right? Like with a money back guarantee or yeah. free trial, something like this. So what if yeah. you're a freelancer and the way that you take payment is 50% upfront, 50% on the back end? How do you establish yeah. trust as a freelance copywriter, graphic designer, something like this through copy uh, where you know that the end result means an upfront payment? Oh man, and this is like the biggest thing for freelancers is getting paid up front, whether that's full amount, which is the promised land, but 50% you know, is great too. One tip that I like to do, and I, I guess I'll just give this away, is I like to offer 60%. If, so if they're hesitant, a lot of times they may ask for then 50 is okay, which might be fine for you. Mm-hmm. You know, It's kind of human psychology a little bit there. But to answer your question, if you're writing copy on your website as a freelancer and you are ultimately going to ask them for money up front, go into details of what your process is. So don't just say, I help website copy that converts. Okay, it's like that's what ultimately what they want to have. But then go into everything that entails with what you do when you're writing a website. So for me, I go into that I'm going to do research. We're going to have a consult, consultation call. We're going to do that questionnaire with you. I'm going to offer two to three rounds of edits within the scope, unlimited communication. So if you have a question, call me, email me, text me, and offer that flat rate. Build that trust from the beginning. Mm. I, I tell a lot of people, you know, some, sometimes projects don't go the way I want them to. Um, but a lot of times they do is because I feel like I'm easy to work with. People mm. understand what they're getting with me from a relationship standpoint. So more than just the content I provide, I could have said the same exact thing as another copywriter they may have hired. But I want to be easy to work with so they can come back to me and ultimately leave a, a great review and continue to build word of mouth. And that's been really successful with for me, especially with some of the agency relationships I built, become some of their go-to, their go-to copywriter for some big projects. So for whether it's a brand, an agency, or whoever it is, when would yeah. you say is a good time to start revisiting the copy that's on your site or in your product descriptions or any sort of collateral? When's a good time to start revisiting that? Yeah, I would say go through it even every month because I just, as humans, if, if, you are selling like even like a clothing product. If you're e-commerce and you have this loyal fan base, people are continuing to buy from you. Same people are coming back to your site. Give them something new besides just the look of what the product is, but talk about a new message, offer a new call to action button, change the copy, um, update it. I do it. I try to do it as like a lot. I feel like maybe twice a year I update my website Sometimes I look at it and feel like it's crap, even as a copywriter. But just feel like if you want it, if, you've, if you're evolving and you have a new message that you feel really speaks to your audience, go ahead and change that. There's no shame in that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then I guess my final question would be, have you, I mean, I could probably go on with a ton of questions to be quite honest with you, but have you ever measured like the result of revisiting or of revising the copy on a, on a website or any piece of collateral and then revisiting it like two months, three months later, or even a month later and seeing if that converts any better? Yeah, I've done that with a couple of clients and even things on my website, like changing the landing page for mine and just notice that traffic has gone up, clicks have gone up for people to see like my portfolio on mm. there. And that's just by even changing the image of it, changing the copy and trying to make it sound more, let's say just aspirational. You know, again, making the customer the hero. And so those things are, are super powerful. Like, it's really good to track those results. Like, one word can change anything. Like, micro copy around your call to action button 
could be huge. So if you have a sales page, you know, that you've had out there and you're looking to update it, give them a preview of what they can expect before they click that button. Just like it takes two minutes to get started or you're done and you'll get a quote in 20 seconds. Mm. Something like that could entice them to to click it to ultimately increase conversions and then track those results. Great. I've noticed that communicating the time that it takes and knowing that it's low impact on the customer side is, has been a yeah. huge hack, right? right? So that's pretty interesting. I love that. Uh, you know, all of it makes sense. I'm such a big believer in great copywriting, like style-wise for one. But for two, I really believe yeah. that it shapes the entire, like an entire marketing campaign. And I think that it's great to start with copy and then build imagery around that, right? Um, yeah. So, so, believe in that. <laughs> so not surprising. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Hire the copywriter first before anything, please. I, I actually kind of believe that. Yeah. And that should actually be a thing that I don't think that a lot of people are in practice with. When you're working with small brands or bigger brands, are you also like, you know, collaborating with their photographers or the graphic designers, things like this? Absolutely. So that can go back to a question we had about talking about your process and everything that you'll deliver within a project. I always offer to work with their web developer. Get us in contact with one another. Let's make sure that the copy is flowing well into their template, into their design that they're using. If they have a photographer, you know, I'll work with them too as far as finding the right imagery that goes with it. That's huge. Like, that's why you can charge more. Like, that's why you can charge thousands of dollars for a big project because you're saving them so much time and you're making it seem like so seamless from, all right, take my ideas and turn it into what I want ultimately. Right. And then we'll continue to work to make sure it's right and what you're looking for. Yeah, no, I, I feel that 100%. And speaking of saving thousands of dollars, I want to say something on your behalf, potentially, yeah. uh, because you know, if it comes from the person that's like, you know, talking about their services and might not might not be the same. But to the listener, if you are if you're working at a brand or working at an agency or whatever it is, invest money into this type of thing. Like it's not necessarily the cheapest thing in the world, but you have to imagine that having somebody write compelling copy on your site to the thousands of visitors you might be getting every month is one of the most valuable things you can do because that's what's actually going to sell your product for you. So don't look at it as an upfront cost and like this person charges so much money, but look at it as like it's a literal billboard for you and it's a literal sales tool for you. Um, so okay. it is something that you should be investing in, you know, heavily. I, I, I personally believe, you know, and I know that a lot of brands uh, are thrown aback by you know, how much copywriters can charge because it's not cheap, you know. Um, but at the yeah. same time, I do whatever I can to let them know, like, look, that's something that you should actually invest in. If somebody can write great copy for you, like it could change your entire business. Absolutely. And you get what you pay for it too. If you try to go cheap with it, you know, you're probably going to get cheap results because people might not put in a full effort, you know, or they obviously might not have the experience level that you're looking for. But man, I can't like go on enough. I feel like that's kind of why I love what I do is helping people kind of create this message that ultimately is going to sell their dream. Hopefully it's their dream. Hopefully it's something that they love to do and offer value to somebody. I mean, you can have this great idea. You could have invented the iPhone before Apple, but if you couldn't communicate it well, then as a business owner, maybe take a step back and have some fresh eyes look at it for you. Sure. And I think that was a big one. And if you don't mind repeating, you said something along the lines of like, that's why you get left behind. But can you repeat yeah. that phrase just again? Because it did get a little choppy on this side. Okay. Yeah. No worries. If you have this great idea, so you can have this next big idea and think that you can sell it to thousands, millions of people. But if you can't communicate it well, then you're going to get left behind. 
Mm. A competitor will come in and have that right message for them and write that to the right audience. So again, that's what copywriting is all about, communicating what your secret sauce is, what your unique key benefits and your value propositions are, effectively, clear, to the point, all that. That's what good copywriting is all about. And that's what separates you. I love that, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Terry, you've shared so much valuable information. I'm sitting here learning too. So thank you so much for it and taking the time. If somebody wants to connect with you after today, where can they find you? You can find me almost anywhere, guys and gals. Uh, Terry Schilling Writes is my website. So that's W-R-I-T-E-S for terryschillingwrites.com. Have some free resources there too. So feel free to download that and then we can connect more there. Um, Instagram at Terry underscore Schilling, S-C-H, um, T-Schill86 on Twitter. And then Terry Schilling, you can probably find me, um, you know, if you kind of, if maybe you post what my mug looks like there, Mikhail, just post, <laughs> find me there on LinkedIn too. I'm really active on there as well, creating some fresh videos and original content too. I love it, man. Thank you so much. And to the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. If you liked the episode, we would dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a ton of incredible speakers and guests just like Terry back on the show. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you. 